you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy hellman hello everybody happy september a lot of you might be thinking to yourself if you're watching this on youtube you're thinking a number of things. The first thing you're thinking is, why is Betsy wearing a tree with palm trees on it when it's after Labor Day? And guys, I just want to tell you, until we have a fall solstice, it is still officially summer. I don't care about Labor Day. I am still going to get a couple more beach days in. I am still going to wear my sleeveless palm tree top. And I am still going to call it summer. The second thing you're noticing if you're watching us on YouTube is that I don't have any makeup on. That's right. Not a lick of makeup, not even chapstick. And I blame it on the pandemic because I just don't care. First of all, the idea of putting eye makeup on again just seems like such an intense effort. I am totally down with putting lipstick on if I could find it. I literally lost all my lipstick. You know, I haven't been putting it on because if you put on lipstick, then put on a mask. It's a hot mess, like quite literally a hot mess. And so I just haven't been wearing it. So when I realized, hey, Betsy, you might be on camera. Hey, Betsy, someone might see your mouth. I cannot find my lipstick. So I just bought two tubes of lipstick. And hopefully I'll be able to keep them nearby instead of, you know, losing them and not even noticing that you've lost them because you don't put on lipstick anymore. Are you guys feeling this way? Is any of this resonating? Am I the only one who looks like a troll right now and who kind of doesn't care? The idea of like using a face wash to remove eye makeup, that just sounds exhausting. It just does. Well, what doesn't sound exhausting is answering your questions. If you have questions, please, please, please send them along, affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. There's a quick and easy form that you can use to get your questions answered. And I will tell you the mailbag is low, problematically low. So make sure that you do head over because I need content, frankly, guys. I need some inspiration. Otherwise, I'm going to sit here and just talk about myself. 
talk about my lack of makeup, and talk about Affordable Interior Design's really big birthday. Every year at this time, I let you know how long we've been around. And last year was 15, and I really wanted to celebrate it with a party, with a cake, at the very least a cake. But coronavirus. So we didn't get to celebrate. But I said to myself, okay, next year it's fine. We'll have our big sweet 16. We'll have the designers. We'll have some clients. We'll open the storefront and we'll get that cake. Darn it. And coronavirus. So yet again, I am here alone having a party with myself. But I just wanted to share with you guys so that you can celebrate in your own special way that my company has been around for 16 years and that feels like such a big win, such an accomplishment with all that's happened in the world. And our podcast has been around for over six years. That feels like a win too. But the thing that's made these events such a win is that you're here with us, that you're supporting us, that you're engaged, and that you're getting value from this. That's what makes it all worth it. So thank you for being a part of our journey. I'm so excited to see where next year goes. And for Sweet 17, we're having a party. Gosh darn it. Maybe I'll just go buy myself a cake. What do we think? All right. Speaking of, well, I'm trying to go to catchy transition, but there just isn't one. I'm going into the mailbag. I'm going to read your questions. We're going to get right into it. Let's do that. My first question comes from Lydia. Thanks for writing in. You're writing in from Georgia and you say, hi, Betsy. I've been listening for years and I adore your podcast. Your voice soothes me when I'm anxious and I love the escape your podcast provides. My husband and I signed a contract with an interior designer for her to provide us with existing plans of our house as well as renovation plans. They've so far provided inaccurate existing plans twice, and the renovation plans are based on those inaccurate existing plans. We blew the plans up to the same size, laid them on top of each other, and there are major differences between them. The renovation is all interior and will not include any exterior changes. Basically, we've paid $6,000 for nothing we can actually use. The inaccuracies are off by a foot here, two feet there. Some measurements are so off that the renovation design of an entire wing of our house is not possible because of these discrepancies. We've given them the chance to make this right, and now we have a final set of plans from them that are grossly wrong. How should we proceed? In our contract, it says that the designer will not refund the client if the designer is in breach of the contract. The designer has a great reputation and only glowing five-star reviews. Do we just have to eat this cost? We are so sad that we've gone through this whole ordeal, paid so much money, and now have nothing to show for it. We don't want to spend any more time, money, or energy with this designer, and we really want our money back. Thank you, Betsy. Oh my goodness, Lydia. I am really sorry to hear about this. And, you know, in a service-based business, there are good providers and there are bad providers. Just like, you know, with a product-based business, there are good toasters and there are bad toasters, right? And sometimes we get that lemon. Well, the same is true with a service provider. You know, when somebody is inaccurate, when there are problems, you want to first let them know. 
it always bugs me when a client comes to me, maybe because a different designer at our firm didn't get them, didn't understand the vision, didn't clearly give them what they were hoping for. Maybe they didn't closely look at the inspiration pictures or something like that. And instead of going to the designer, they come to me, right? You have to share this concern with the direct service provider to give them a chance to fix it. It sounds like you've definitely done that. It sounds like they even revised and came up with a new draft, but it's still inaccurate. Now, in this case, this is not something where it's just a matter of taste, where they just didn't understand your style and they've revised and they're still not getting it. These are technical inaccuracies. These are you know, numbers that are wrong. I would want you to circle back again. If you're not able to use these drawings, if they are so inaccurate that you basically have nothing to work with, I would give them another opportunity. And maybe you need to bring in someone else, like the architect, the contractor, whoever is telling you that these are not workable plans. I think you, the interior designer, and this other person who's told you these plans are not workable should all sit down, whether it's on Zoom, whether, of course, in person is always best, whether it's in person, so that if the interior designer says, well, just because it's off a foot here doesn't mean you're not able to use it, you're not the middleman than having to tell the contractor and the contractor says, hey, actually, I can't use this. That way you're all together and the designer can really see that these are not workable plans for you. If the designer refuses to budge, if the designer refuses to revise again, and it sounds like you don't even want to give the designer an opportunity to revise again, then the last recourse, even though I would, I would let you let them have one more go at it, frankly, the last recourse in my mind is small claims court. Small claims court only covers you, at least in the state of New York, up to $5,000. And you will want to get that third party, that contractor to sign off and say, hey, these are unusable plans. I cannot do work based on these plans. But that's the next step. And I would let the interior designer know that that's the step you're going to be taking. So they have an opportunity to course correct because you don't really want it to go there. Small claims court is very affordable. I've had to go there three times in my 16-year career. It's very affordable, but it's time. It's time spent filing. It's time spent going to the courthouse. It's time spent speaking with a mediator, potentially going back to the courthouse if the interior designer does not show up. I mean, it is lengthy and drawn out. So you have to really pick your battles But if you give them that third opportunity and it's still incorrect, then that's where I would go with it. Also, you want to let them know that you'll need to be leaving them negative reviews. So I would circle back with this interior designer, let them know my next steps I would be taking would be small claims court, would be leaving negative reviews so that you can alert others to this situation rather than having these positive reviews not truly reflect what's going on. And then I would give them time to respond. 
And if they haven't responded in a satisfactory way, I would move forward with those steps. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be fun. You did your due diligence. You tried your best. Crap happens. And I will let you know that I have been burned a number of times. It doesn't feel good. And I'm sorry you're going through this. And I'm certainly sorry that you're going through this with someone from our industry. Whenever I go through a situation like this, I reflect and I say, you know, what can I learn from this? So that when I'm choosing my contractor, when I'm choosing my tile vendor, when I'm doing another renovation in the future, I don't make the same mistake again because I've been burned pretty bad. Uh, On my own home improvement project, we had a big kerfuffle um, with a contractor who ghosted us after receiving our last payment. And uh, I just feel for you, Lydia. My heart goes out to you, and I hope that some of the things I mentioned turn out to be a big help. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com classes to get your bundle or your online class today. This note is from Emily and she writes, Dear Betsy, I want to thank you for your podcast. The last five months, I've been hiking from Mexico to Canada on the Pacific Crest Trail. During that time, I've listened to most of your content. I've really appreciated it and I'll explain why. My husband and I have been living in Africa for five years and we're transitioning back to the United States. Styling this next home is daunting. I'll still be on a nonprofit salary, and it's been a long time since I lived in a home for more than one year and in a country where I don't have to cross an ocean to bring back suitcases of goods from Ikea. There are lots of long-term decisions to make on a tight budget. You've given me not just a wealth of practical tips, but also confidence and enthusiasm that we can style our home. I'm not a creative person, so I never imagined I would be passionate or even good at interior design. Thanks to you, that's all changed. I'm grateful for your time, your attitude towards coziness and budget realities, that it's far more realistic for normal people than most other podcasts on interior design. And I cannot wait to put everything into practice. I bought your book for my sister and recommended your podcast to my sisters-in-law, who are now all excited to be learning from you too. I've also added a review on iTunes. Thanks again and keep up the amazing work changing people's lives through what you do. 
Oh, Emily, it's so heartwarming to read this note. Thank you so much for sharing your feedback. I am really glad that my tips could help you. I'm really glad that they could help you feel also like a creative person. I think it's such a, ugh, such a bad way of thinking, such a faulty way of thinking to think, you know, I can't be an interior designer because I don't have a knack for it. I don't have an eye for interior design. It makes me so angry, makes me so upset. When you know the rules, when you know that good design is just a matter of proportions, standard sizes, rules you can memorize, formulas you can follow, it opens things up and it takes it from some kind of exclusive where only a select few can do this. Only select few or people who pay those select few can have a nice home into something that anyone can do because everyone deserves to have a beautiful home that feels good and reflects who they are. And I'm really glad that I've empowered you to do that. I really appreciate you sending me this note and keep following that passion because you may figure out that there's a creative person lurking underneath all this time. And you may be able to bring those creative skills to your nonprofit work. I'm sure they're needed in lots of different realms. So thanks for letting me know and good luck with your really big move. My last question for today Let's toggle over here to Sarah's question. Sarah's writing me from Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Sarah writes, Betsy, we have a cabin that has a lot of wood in the interior. Recently, we did a large addition, and the existing cabin and the addition are connected by a breezeway. There's currently a door that can be shut between the two spaces. Previously, it was an exterior door. But this door is typically going to be open and we're going to live like it's one large space. I would prefer to keep the new space feeling less rustic, less woodsy, but I'm afraid the spaces will look too disjointed if I stray too far. Currently, the new space has Sherwin-Williams alabaster white paint on the walls. We are planning on a white wood ceiling with mid-tone wood stone, <laughs> mid-tone wood stained beams, stained wood windows, and white trim around the windows and doors. The floors are a charcoal polished concrete and will add rugs to soften the look. We also have one wall where the TV will go, and we plan on doing some brick or a stone veneer. Any thoughts on this plan or how to unify the spaces while keeping the space a bit more modern? I've included an image of the living space and the existing cabin and a few images of this new space, along with a tentative layout for all the beams. I would love your advice. All right. Well, thanks so much for sending this in, Sarah. If you want to see Sarah's pictures, head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. There you can see the link to our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, our Instagram page, and more. So you'll be able to see all the pictures and it will really illuminate the questions for you, I'm sure. Those of you just listening to the podcast, I'll do my best to illustrate it for you. So yes, the existing cabin has a lot of wood, wood paneled sides, wood frame trim around the windows, wood windows, and of course, wood ceilings. It's very cozy and the floor has kind of a gray stained wood. I'm not sure if it is uh, planking or if it's like a, 
I'm not sure what it is because it doesn't necessarily look totally like wood, but unclear. But it is gray stained wood, that's for sure, uh, in some kind of thing, be it tile or whatever. Uh, then this new addition, you're right, is very different looking. While the floors have a similar gray tone, they're obviously concrete. There's not as much wood paneling. And I do think that just looking at the pictures you've sent, I understand why you're concerned that it may not feel cohesive. One space is just wood, 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 and the other space doesn't really have much wood besides what I'm hearing with the framing around the windows. So I do share your concern that this might look a little disjointed, that it may not look like a natural flow. One thing I would definitely do is want to bring in more of that wood from the main house into this addition. I would consider, you know, behind the TV wall, maybe doing a wall of the wood that matches the wood in the main house. So that way it really ties it together, but keeps it confined to just that one accent wall. I know guys, I know, but every now and again, we can use an accent wall and keep it sophisticated. And in this case, use the accent wall to make the spaces more cohesive. So when we're thinking about making the spaces more cohesive, I'm talking about bringing in elements from one space and using them in a slightly different way in the other space. So we've talked about the wood. Now let's talk about the color palette. Looking at the existing cabin, there's not a lot of Roy G. Biv color to go off of. Certainly there's a lot of tans, browns, taupes, but I'm not seeing color. So I'd want to ask you about that 60-30-10, your room's color palette. And because the door is going to be open, because I'm going to be seeing into this addition, I would want to use similar colors, but maybe in a different way. So if we've got our 60-30-10 in the main house being 60% navy, 30% um, purple, I'm just making this up, and 10% red, then maybe what we want to do in this addition is do like 60% purple, 30% that blue, and keep the 10% red. Therefore, they're sharing a color palette, but they're using it in different doses, right? The addition has more purple, and the main house or the main cabin has more blue. So I feel like as I pass through one space to go to another, I feel like I'm in a very similar room, but it also feels different because we don't want to make this a copy of the other space. It's not going to share the same finishes. It's always going to look different. But the question is, how do we make it harmonious? How do we carry elements through without just copying the elements, right? We're not going to just install a wood floor in here. We're not going to panel all the walls like we see in that main cabin. We're just going to bring in elements that are used in the other space, but apply them differently. I think right then and there, it will create a lot of coziness. And then we want to look back at that main cabin. You know, does all the change need to take place in the addition? Or could we maybe paint the trim around the windows in the cabin, the alabaster white? I can see way back in the corner, there is a bit of sheetrock that potentially leads to the kitchen. Could we make sure that that is the alabaster white? So we're carrying the same paint color, but just using it in a slightly different way. I think these will be really helpful ideas to play around with as you're deciding the finishes for your cabin and its addition. Guys, 
I just love answering your questions. It just makes my day, makes my week. Keep them coming. Send them to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. You'll see there's a handy dandy form there. And I can't wait to talk to you again next week. You've asked for it and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, You're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.